Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So he pushed you. Did he push you to like open mic for the first time or yeah. what that? Okay. Yeah, he just, he kept saying like, you got to do it. You, you know, just like basically dared me to do it until I finally, you know, agreed to to the dare. And then I was watching the news in Los Angeles one day. This was probably 2003 when I mm. started, uh, was thinking about it. I had gone through a breakup. So I was like that I needed to get out of the house and I was yeah. watching the news and, um, this guy on the news um, shot himself in the head with a nail gun and like, you know, like <laughs> it, uh, it was yeah, like the nail ricocheted off of the tree, whatever it was uh, that he was building and it ricocheted up into his eye socket, up into his brain. And he worked the whole day and he worked, like, he worked the- eight out. He worked the whole day. And then when he finally went to the hospital, everyone was like, I can't believe you didn't feel it. I can't believe you didn't feel it. And I said, well, I wouldn't be able to feel three and a half inches if I got nailed. So what's the big deal? And so that was the first <laughs> joke that I ever wrote. See, that made you laugh. That was the first joke I ever wrote and it worked. And then I thought, oh, this is so easy. And then it took me probably two more months to write another good joke. <laughs> Welcome, fellow Lushes. Come on in, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy some cocktails with dimples and the beard. I look like a slob today, I feel. You do. You look feel like a fuck- slob. You look pretty fucking homeless right now. I'm not gonna a little lie. bit. A little bit. But there's a reason for this. And, and like you're trying to steal my thunder with hi oh she's already there all right Jesus. well welcome back fellow luscious to another episode of cocktails with dimples in the beard tonight we are joined by the beautiful and hilarious sarah tiana hilarious. and beautiful so subscribe and sexy, but <laughs> do us a favor please shut the fuck a job <laughs> fudgy, fudge, please fudge. do us a favor biggest thing you can do is share share our content like subscribe Cost you nothing means the world does. Comment. Comment. I got no slang work today. God, you have one. F- yeah, all that. I can't come up with one slang job. every freaking time. One shot. Ch- it's call us horse cocks. Um, it'd be you true. Can't for- say cock this early. Yeah, you can. It'd be true for one of us anyway. Without you can't. So we never. Uh, I never what. Never. Uh, yeah, I never keep a pretty lady waiting. If you would just slow, 
We got somebody get the, over and turn her on. We got somebody in the waiting room. I understand that. I think we're gonna have to cut this whole intro anyway. Without further ado, Sarah Tiana. Oh, hello, hello! <laughs> wow, look at you guys set up. That's so nice. Oh, thank well, you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. All decked out. I cannot believe we are talking to Sarah Tiana. I'm sorry, I'm gonna <laughs> fanboy out a little bit. <laughs> Don't fanboy. There's no need. I'm like. In a cubby in a bedroom at my house, it's like not glamorous. Well, we uh, nice we appreciate you it. alone is glamorous enough. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> and first of all, we got to know. It seems like it, but I'm going to ask: Are you in a good enough mood to do this? I know the Braves have lost four straight, so Ooh. it's been a tough weekend. <laughs> it was not my favorite Mother's Day, uh, um, but no, I mean it. It actually was my favorite Mother's Day, but yes. I'm going, I'm just trying to stay positive. I mean, the nice so, thing about, what a way I, to start it off. The nice thing about the baseball Mets, is there's always yeah. today. So, I mean, yeah. they play every day, so. <laughs> well, the Mets already lost today, so I'm already in a good mood because the Mets already lost. Okay, so you're okay. a big Braves fan and big Mets hater? <laughs> yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Heck yeah. Well, I just want to, before we even start, I just want to kind of lay out how we're going to do this. I have okay. a plan for you. First, we're going to talk about the. St- I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> that's a, that's a plan. Sometimes it hot when men may have a plan. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so I'm trying to make a plan. So she. Okay, so this is the this is the plan for today. We'll right. discuss you. We'll discuss me. We'll discuss you some more, and we'll just keep talking about you. Is that a okay. plan? That's did a that, great plan. Did that work? Yeah, that works. That All right. Works. And by the way, we got a little tie because we're we're in Wisconsin, so oh, okay. So we had uh, we had Hank Aaron here for his first however many yep. years. So we know you're yep. a big Hank Aaron fan. So well before yep. we were born, yes, yeah, yeah. before I was born. <laughs> yeah, right was. around. I'm like a cusper on that. Yeah. Well, I I, I grew up in Milwaukee, so he was oh, my nice. he was my favorite player growing up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I got to see him a few times play. Amazing. I. Yes, I love it. Obviously, it was a end of his career, and <laughs> yeah, not dinging a whole lot, but you know what? Yeah. I he he still was he was still hammering Hank, so I loved it. Still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I love that stadium in Milwaukee. It's a really nice stadium. The the new one. Well, it's not new anymore. I guess. I, I mean, it's twenty years old now. But I, you know, I think back to the oh, days of Miller Park or uh, yeah, County Stadium. Excuse me, County Stadium. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I never went to that one. I've only been to, I mean, I guess I was there probably about five years ago. Okay. So, yeah, probably would have been the new one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's all a nice stadium. How'd you get into baseball? Uh, I got into baseball. My grandmother was a big baseball. My whole family was a big baseball fan. Um, my, I, I was born in Northern California, so everybody up there, they're all Oakland A's fans. And my grandmother um, worked for the Oakland A's after she retired for like 20 something years. So she taught me to keep score. She always went to the game. She had season tickets and like, so, well, yeah, she would go, she would give out the stuff at the gate and then she would go sit at her seat and keep score. And then when we moved to Georgia, um, you know, we thought we would stay Oakland A's fans and then quickly realized like, oh, you can't ever watch those games with the Braves run all the time. And then yeah i mean they were on for us yeah right yeah yeah the start of cable so yeah so it became very easy to 
we just like lived on TBS from Hanna-Barbera, like watching <laughs> the Flintstones and the Jetsons and Gilligan's Island and Andy Griffith after school. It just rolled. It, it was it was on the whole way to the Braves game started. That's so, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So then I just we watched it every day, like around the, you know, on TV trays. Yeah. <laughs> And that's how it started. <laughs> the good old that. TV trays. I had a, I had a granny. I had a granny who liked to keep score at baseball games too. It's something about old ladies. They just love doing that. I, <laughs> I know. And now I'm one of them. Now I'm one of those old ladies that keeps score at the yeah, game. Well, young lady, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll quickly turn into an old lady <laughs> in no time. So <laughs> I, I gotta pr- keep doing it just to practice it because I feel like you'd forget, you know, if you. If you don't flex that muscle. How often do you go and do it? I mean, just whenever I go to a game, to a Braves game. So, I mean, it's only, you know, two, three times a year, maybe four now, four or five, because I try to go see them in a few different places. We just went, I just went and saw them in San Diego. And then I usually can see them in Georgia at least once. And then in LA, I'll see them twice. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I was going to say, do you go, will you go to like random baseball stadiums when you're on the road just for just random baseball games or. Yeah. I'll go to any baseball game if I'm on the road and there's a home game just to see the field, just to see the stadium and kind of check it off my list. Sure. Um, But it's, it's like extra points if the Braves are playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, they have a list of every stadium you check, you know, you Mm -hmm. get every one of them. So there's a there's actually there's a, a map right up there with some pins and oh, all yeah. the green and all the green pins are the baseball stadium. Oh wow. That's and all cool. the red pins are countries that I've been to. <laughs> and you've been to a lot of those as well. Been to yes. a lot of those. Yes, yeah. I mean yeah, I mean I I don't know no, we uh don't need to say thank you for what you do for the the troops. That's amazing. The the uh the trips that you've it made is. over there. I mean, how, how, how is that? I mean, what, what kind of an experience is that? Well, I mean, I think when you go and entertain the troops, uh, especially in a war zone there, it, it's a, it's a lot more pressure. You know, if I, if I bomb in Milwaukee, I'm like, whatever, yeah. you know, like there's a new group coming in tomorrow. Um, if you bomb in Iraq, you're like, well, this is the only show they're going to get for uh-huh. a year, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no yeah uh never thought of that that's poor guy yeah there's just like more pressure because you just don't you you know this is the one reprieve that they have yeah yeah and i mean i don't really bomb anymore you know what i mean but there's just more like pressure to to have like a perfect show to make everybody happy whereas you know your focus is not on making everyone happy you know all the time in a in a local show your focus you know, for me personally, I, I, I enjoy making as many people possible as happy. Like I won't just keep doing material. If clearly everyone's uncomfortable, I'll change it up. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but you know, like there's just a lot more pressure in a war zone to make sure that, um, everyone's happy and that you're, you're, you know, getting people laughs. I mean, that's what you're there for. I, I wear extra perfume. Like I know what else I'm there for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I know it's not just because I'm the funniest comedian in the whole world, you know, um, you know, at, at least back when I started, you know, nowadays it might be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you, now, back in the day or even now, do you then say, okay, let me look at my 
risque jokes or I don't want to say dirty jokes and I'll use those because mm-hmm. that's what the boys want? You know, I actually don't have a lot of dirty jokes, but I'll, so I'll look them up so that I can remember them. Like if I'm doing a show for the Marines, I'm like, I better do some dirty jokes. <laughs> if I'm doing a show for the Air Force, I'm like, don't do any dirty jokes. Oh, you know? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's really different, you know? Uh-huh. And so, but then I usually, I have a lot of material that I, ha- that's just military specific. Okay. So um, now I kind of know what material works particularly well sure, for, sure. for them. And so a lot of times it's sports and yeah. maybe like a little sex stuff. But I, I mean, again, I don't have a lot of that because yeah. I'm just kind of a square. Uh, <laughs> and then just military jokes, jokes sure. about the military did you ever ever find yourself in any dangerous situations when you were over there doing that stuff oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i heard a story weren't you in a near plane crash or were oh yeah yeah i talked about that on ryan sickler's podcast but yes they yeah we were going from that's that wasn't even the one i was thinking of um (laughs) amazingly almost in a plane crash and that's not the one i was thinking of um that was just that was going from uh, Diego Garcia. We were flying from Singapore to Diego Garcia in the South Pacific, and um, and that on that particular plane, it was a a C, I think it was a C one thirty. Um, and uh, yeah, we lost all oxygen, and and the plane started diving, but we had no idea what was happening because okay. we were all passing out and putting on our masks and stuff. Um. But it turned out they were just driving to 10,000 feet so that we could breathe outside air. Because when when a plane loses cabin pressure, you start that means you're breathing the air from 35,000 feet, mm-hmm. which is not sustainable. Like yeah. it's like Mount Everest, right? So yeah. you know they have to dive down to 10,000 where you can breathe normally. Um, yeah, but that was super scary. But no, I was thinking of the time that we were in the green zone in Iraq and like. We were on this, we were on a Blackhawk and the Blackhawks fly in twos because they have to, they protect one another. Um, and so they, you know, uh, we're, we're in one Blackhawk and we're on there with this, this, our rep name, his name's Major, we got, everybody called him Major Hated, but his, his name was Major Hater. That's what it was. His name was Major Hater, and everybody called him Major Hated. And, <laughs> and so we're on a black cock in a green zone, and we're flying to a hospital to do a show. And um, and all of a sudden, these flares go off on the black cock, and you can smell them immediately because you go, "Oh, there's sulfur, right?" Yeah. And um, he goes. The major goes, what the fuck was that? You know, and I'm like, you're in charge. You know, like, I don't, why are you asking me? I tell dick jokes, you know, and uh, and then, you know, it turned out that somebody had radar lock on us. So then they just, you know, blew off the flares and then the the rocket hit the flare. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, that's, <laughs> not bad, that's close enough for me. The bad we just guys went don't get a show. <laughs> the bad guys don't care that it, there's just funny people on the helicopter. Come on, we're just here to entertain. They wanted them to you go know, to their their camp. It, I mean, yeah, it was a real. It was it was always really. And then when we left that show, uh, 
so we we were initially told that we weren't going to be able to go back that we were going to spend the night in the hospital and we had just been trapped um at this multinational forces camp because of a sandstorm for three days and when there's a sandstorm there's no visibility on the ground so the blackhawks can't fly because they have to be able to look at the ground and make sure no one's shooting at them from the ground so they have to give a visual on the ground and so <laughs> we had been trapped in this multinational forces camp for three days and it was it was it was kind of uh intense conditions just because it was um uh, it was far away from any any kind of luxury, meaning like um, toilets that flush, stuff like that. Uh, and and, uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, we kept doing all these random. There, it was also a ton of Polish troops there and Australians. And then we would always get alcohol from the Australians because they were allowed to have alcohol and the Marines would actually get it for us because the Marines always knew a way to get alcohol. <laughs> the Americans never could have any alcohol because um, apparently guns and alcohol don't mix oh. and which is, you know, probably a good thing. And so, yeah, we kept doing all these like weird shows around the base um, at night. We did a show in the dark at the Marine camp, which looking back was probably less safe than being bombed um but it was <laughs> well, yeah that many, that many men yeah you're probably right yeah yeah like you go you would go into there was an old prison there and mm -hmm. not even a prison sorry it wasn't even a prison it was an old house and that and they they took me into this house because you know part of the experiences that they show you around the base and then every you know they take you and there they go oh this is where we store the pens and you go oh that's amazing how many <laughs> pens you know you just act very interested because you're just helping them get out of the monotony for the day yeah. and they're showing us around these offices and there's this fly paper hanging off of a hook in the ceiling and they go oh yeah this used to be a torture chamber one of Saddam's torture chambers yeah and I'm like what? <laughs> and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he would throw parties, you know, and then uh, he'd say, okay, everybody move to the next room. And if you went into that room and there was a chandelier, it was a party. And if there was a hook, somebody was getting made an example of. So that just happened to be one of the places. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good history. Made an example of. And, you know, they were just doing regular um, filing. And <laughs> faxing in that room no like, oh, you know you got a little chill when you walked in there you didn't really know why and you're like oh people have died in here that's yeah probably a lot probably that's probably <laughs> why so anyway we were yeah i'm sorry if this is boring but um it is not no. tell you <laughs> how when we were going back when we were leaving the greens so anyway we had been we had just gotten to biop which is baghdad international airport which was like the huge base in iraq where the airport was. And we were staying in one of Saddam's, you know, um, camping palaces, right? And there were all these uh, palaces around this lake that different branches of different countries were staying in. And so we were like, oh my gosh, we're in this like fancy place now. We finally got out of there. And, um, and then we go to do a show and they go, you know, and I really wanted to do that show because that's where the guys from my hometown were based. And I, and I was, so I was very set. The whole point of me going on this trip was to try to see the guys from my, um, from Calhoun where sure, I grew up. Nice. Okay. And, uh, and then they go, oh, you know, we're not going to be able to go because it's, it got bombed today. And I was so sad and disappointed and that, but they said, oh, you know, everybody's okay. 
And um, you're and like, so, oh, I just meant I didn't get to perform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but then they sent us to it. So then they sent us to another place that we didn't have to drive. Like now you can't even convoy anymore. They don't even, they don't allow convoys. And a convoy means, you know, you're uh, a bunch of vehicles follow mm-hmm. each other. And then the two tanks in the front circle the wagons. Oh, and we wow. would do that on heavy, like, on a, on a two lane freeway, we'd have this long convoy going from base to base and the two Humvee, you know, uh, tank type Humvees would be circling. And then people, the locals in Iraq would get so annoyed that they would go to the other side of the freeway to go around us and then just be like <laughs> passing cars at 80 miles. There's no speed limit either. So it's like, oh, it was terrifying. Anyway, we didn't end up winning to go to that show. So I was really sad. And then they go, oh, but we can go do this other show at this hospital. And then you go, okay, well, that's great. Like, thank goodness we can go at least do some good, right? So then we go to this hospital and then they go, oh, there's another sandstorm coming in. You guys can't go back. And then we're like, all right, I guess we're sleeping in the hospital tonight, right? And, um, And then last second they go, oh, you know what? Last second, they go, we got two Blackhawks that are going to take you back. They just have to drop some guys off at Abu Ghraib. And we go, hmm. And, um, <laughs> and then we look over on, on at the helipad. And there's these four guys on their knees with like. Uh, bags over their heads. Uh, bags over their heads and glow sticks around their neck in case they ran. <laughs> Yeah. And then they got on one Blackhawk and we got on the other. And oh, I said, nice. I think I'm good here. I think I'm ready to go home. <laughs> um, but yeah, so everything was very real. It's not like, you know, you just go because the group that I went with was called Comics on Duty. And we really specialize in going to FOBs, like forward operating bases, which never got big shows. Yeah, because big companies like the USO, they'll go to big bases and they'll mm. be there for 24 hours. But we really specialize in going to the forward op- operating bases, which, you know, when you when you go to in Iraq, everything is divided into threes, right? You have your your main base, which supri- supplies the forward operating bases, which have about 100 to 300 people. And then those fobs supply the patrol bases, which are the guys like a 10 a 10 10 guys in a sure. group okay that go out yeah i think it's 10 i might be wrong people in the military are probably gonna yell at well, me that i'm saying everything I, I think they're... for what you do to them for them i think they're all right <laughs> yeah yeah I know. right yeah okay anyway that was a really long story but... no that's great I, that's but, that's awesome how did you get worth talking about yeah. how'd you get involved in it to begin with so i asked around because uh as soon as i found out that they that they were even sending people over there, I got in touch with the main, with one of the guys that booked it. And I sent him a tape and he goes, you know, I have, I have way too many requests and I already took a woman and it was kind of a nightmare. Like, I guess she like complained the whole time and wouldn't carry her bag and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then he had somebody drop out. And, and I said, listen, I promise, like I'm from the South, like that's not me. And this really means a lot to me because it's my, my, you know, my hometown is out there and I really want to see them because I mean, I grew up in a town where we had recruiters in our lunchroom every day sure. and, 
it was a lot. You know, these guys get told, asked, you know, do you want to be a factory floor manager or a hero? And so that was like one of the big only ways life, out. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a, it was a big way out. And so I just said, I got to get out there and see them and and see things for myself instead of just watching right. the news or what people told me. I really wanted to know. And when you go out there as a comedian, what I didn't know until I got out there was that you get given a rank, which is a GS, I think ours is a GS 14, which means general service 14, which is a, the equivalent of a full bird colonel. So I get, I can ask, I get to talk to colonels and generals and all these oh, wow. brass all the time. And I can ask them, how much does that cost? Was that, I'm also a citizen, right? You, you get you, to ask I pay your, secret, yeah. uh, questions i mean i can ask them but they're probably not going to tell me <laughs> i mean but, uh, I, think, I, I think how much most of that stuff costs is kind of top secret, secret. <laughs> yeah i so, mean there were a lot of things that were not like uh, we had just captured saddam when i was in iraq he was still alive we had just captured him i was it was 2005 and uh and i go where is he and they go we can't tell you that and they would just like point to a building <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's just <laughs> Yep. Wow. You know, so, I mean, part of that is probably like, um, we could tell you, like, no one's going to believe you, even if we do. If you go, oh, he's over here, you know, like, nobody's going to believe you. Uh, but also, like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody. And it's been, you know, 20 years since that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm telling people, like, well, yeah. he, he's, was, like, I was, he was, he was right there. He was right there. Yeah, I almost, yeah. So. He's dead and gone. We're good. It's pretty close. <laughs> well, well, gone. again, like yeah. you said, you know, that, thank you for doing that. It's, it means a lot, obviously, <laughs> to the to the troops, and that's it's just great. You're welcome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, welcome. So that was a big part of your childhood, you know, and your thing. So uh -huh. how did you get involved in comedy? Uh, was it a big oh. part of your childhood as well? Comedy was not a big part of my childhood. Uh, actually didn't, you know, I can remember my mom watching Roseanne and Tim Allen. My mom always liked it, but it wasn't something that we watched together. Um, I remember it being on and, and, in fact, when I started stand up, you know, people told me like, oh, you should do stand up. And I said, I don't have a sitcom. Like, I can't be a stand up because uh, I didn't know how it worked. Um, but I, I never really watched it growing up or anything. And then um, I when I was in I went to college for journalism in Georgia. Okay. And and then I realized because CNN was there and I started. So I started at UGA and I had a big journalism school and I worked for Housing 12 News. And then, um, mm. and that's when I found out that you had to write the news. And I said, what? Like, I thought you just <laughs> read off a teleprompter. Um, no, thanks. <laughs> this is boring. I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, the news is boring. So I, I did some sports coverage for them. And then, and then I ended up transferring colleges to, uh, to Georgia state, which is in downtown Atlanta. Cause I was performing at six flags at the time. 
in the shows, you know, as, as, a, well, as the Tasmanian as, devil. <laughs> I was Taz. <laughs> I was also Daffy. Yeah, I know. I had a lot of gigs. Lost Aww. a lot of weight that summer. It was a great <laughs> summer. At first, that was a, that was the second year. The first year, I was the host of a game, like a kids' game show called the Bugs Bunny World Games. Oh, um, you don't want to eat Daffy. He's too tough. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. And um, and so it was really cheesy. We did a little song and dance, and hopefully that know, was in the I, air conditioning or something. No, that was outside. Oh boy, I know. everything. Yeah, I I wasn't good enough to be in the singing and dancing the real singing and dancing shows. I was more just peppy and um, I, I, I looked, I always looked and sounded like a cheerleader, but I was never a cheerleader. So okay. it got me a gig as like a, a host basically. So yeah. anyway, I was, I was working there and it was such a, re- it was a really good job for college. I always had to pay all my own bills for college, my, my own way, all my dorms and my car payments and stuff like that. And um and that job was amazing because I could, it, it was really good for school because we, we worked just on the weekends during the school year, but in the summers we worked six days a week when school was out, so it would, but we got paid on salary oh. and I, you know, had health insurance, all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it was really great uh, job in college and I didn't want to let it go. And I really loved performing. And so I moved to Atlanta and um thought I was still going to do journalism and so then I was doing the news on the radio station in Atlanta we had a radio station at our college called album 88 which was the biggest student-run college radio station in the country and so I just happened to luck into that I had a class with the GM of the station and so he said hey you can do the news on our station and I started doing it but I was telling jokes it was like during the Lewinsky scandal so (laughs) you can't make jokes about the news and i go i can't make jokes about the president getting a blowjob <laughs> and they go no and i said well i don't want to do it and they go but <laughs> you could do the entertainment news and you can make all the jokes you want and i was like all right cool don't but i it. didn't know i still didn't know that i was really doing i mean i was just making myself laugh I, you can't hear no one else is in the room yeah. i don't know if anybody else is laughing so anyway <laughs> And then because of that, they um, they put me on this other show with the GM and this other guy. And we would interview all the comics that came through the punchline in Atlanta. And, and so um, the very first person to ever give me tickets to a show is Mitch Hedberg. Oh, and oh. then, yeah. And so people go, so that was my first comedy show ever. <laughs> and people always say, oh, is that what made you do comedy? And I always say, well, you don't see Mitch Hedberg and go, oh, I could do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, yeah, this was cool. I have no idea how that works. And I just went about my day. Um, and so then when I finally moved to Los Angeles, I started DJing weddings and bar mitzvahs as a job because I had all this experience as a DJ at a radio station. <laughs> right. And then a guy that I and- DJed. But, entertaining taining as a Tas- Tasmanian devil. So you got to put that to use. Sure. Right. I had a lot of experience with children. <laughs> and uh, so because I was doing all of that, um, this guy that I DJed with kept, I, I guess I always made him laugh in the car because you always had to drive somewhere as a team and set up the speakers and stuff. And um, he just, he really pushed me to do stand up. And I hmm. just thought, uh, no one's ever told me I was funny. And 
And that's not totally true. I guess I just never looked at it that way. I, I was always making people laugh because I was making fun of them. And so they would be laughing, but they would just be saying, that's not funny. That's not funny. And then and yeah. <laughs> I just heard that's not funny. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> then why are you laughing? What the, yeah. um, so he pushed you. Did he push you to like open mic for the first time or yeah. with that? Okay. Yeah, he just he kept saying like you gotta do it. You you know, just like basically dared me to do it until I finally, you know, agreed to to the dare. And then I was watching the news in Los Angeles one day. This was probably two thousand three when I mm. started. Uh was thinking about it. I had gone through a breakup, so I was like sad I needed to get out of the house. And I was yeah. watching the news and um this guy on the news um, shot himself in the head with a nail gun and like, you know, like <laughs> it, uh, was yeah, like the nail ricocheted off of the tree, whatever it was uh, that he was building and it ricocheted up into his eye socket, up into his brain. And he worked the whole day and he worked, like, he worked the- eight out. He worked the whole day. And then when he finally went to the hospital, everyone was like, I can't believe he didn't feel it. I can't believe he didn't feel it. And I said, well, I wouldn't be able to feel three and a half inches if I got nailed. So what's the big deal? And so that was the first <laughs> joke that I ever wrote. See, that made you laugh. That was the first joke I ever wrote and it worked. And then I thought, oh, this is so easy. And then it <laughs> took me probably two more months to write another good joke. <laughs> And that's still pretty much um, the trajectory I'm on. It takes me about two months to write a joke (laughs) to this day (laughs) for for myself. Now, for other people, I I mean. I was going to say, you you wouldn't be around if it took you two months to write one joke. No, I mean, so easy to write jokes for other people. But for myself, ugh. Is it it different when you're writing? Is it different to write for somebody else than it is to write for you? Do you write it differently? Or is Mm -hmm. Um, I guess like it's just the point of view is a little different. It depends on what it is. I don't really write stand up for other people. Sure. Yeah, you write uh, a lot of roast stuff, right? Yeah. So that more is just those are just kind of targeted jokes, or you know, when it's lights out, it's it's topical jokes about the news. And so you already have the setup. They yeah. they give you all the the setup. You just need the punchline. Sure. So you know when you write late night show late night jokes there's a there's two researchers two to three and they will basically send you a whole like two pages of topical news stories Hmm. and the news story is written out like a setup basically okay so you can sometimes reword the setup if you need to make it hit in a different way based on what it is you're writing but you know, man shoots himself in the head with a nail. Yeah. Never doesn't feel it, <laughs> you know? And then yeah. you go, all right, well, yeah. I know yeah. what the joke is. And usually about five of us have the same joke. And then you're looking for other variations of different sure. ways, you know? Okay. So, yeah. So when it's topical, the that stuff is very easy. That stuff comes very easy to me yeah. and roast jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a roast joke that you wrote, loved, and they're like, we we just can't say that? <laughs> oh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought yeah. it goes for roast, but anyway. <laughs> it just depends on who say, like sometimes, you know, or, you know, like my favorite roast joke that I ever wrote was about um, uh, James Franco. Um, and I gave it 
Jeff Ross was going to do it. And he told it at the taping, but then um, he kind of stuttered it and uh, or misspoke. And then he didn't do a retake. A lot of times you'll just do a reset and just say it one more time. Sure. And uh, and he didn't. So they cut it. And then um, so what so I, was go, it, oh, I can use it. So it was uh, it was James Franco. You're an insult to Italian actors everywhere. I bet James Gandolfini is trying to roll over in his grave right now. <laughs> and that was one of my favorite. And because Gandolfini had just died. So it was, oh. you know, you had the prescient moment of, yeah. of it being new and then it also being funny. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. So do you, I, I know you did a lot of roasting yourself too. Did you enjoy that or did you prefer to write for somebody else? I definitely prefer to write. I do not prefer to do the roasting myself. Yeah. There's just, I think um, at first I just thought nobody wants to see me roast, you know, and then, and then it got to the point where, oh no, everybody wants to see me roast. And now this is a whole other kind of pressure where it's like, yeah. well, now everyone's expecting me to win. <laughs> and that's really terrifying. Um, so I would rather just write jokes for other people. Yeah. Well, I, I, I suppose you could hide behind, I don't want to say hide behind someone else, but you can write a an insulting kind of funny joke and give it to someone else and they take the brunt of it. Oh, totally. You know, and I'm, it's not that I don't want, um, that I don't want, you know, to hurt someone's feelings. I, my, my goal when I roast myself, when I'm out actually out there doing the battle myself, my goal is to not hurt your feelings. My goal is to impress you. I'm never going to write something that I think you wouldn't yourself want in your act. Sure. What I okay. want is for you to love it so much that you wish you had written it for yourself. Oh. And I don't really, yeah. yeah, I don't, I also never roast anybody that I don't particularly like. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, because, of, you... because of that reason, it will just turn out mean. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah. we, we've had, we've had Earl Skakel on the podcast and we love your, we, we he's obviously fantastic <laughs> yeah, at it. Yeah. And, uh, the, I know you oh. guys roasted each other at least once, maybe more than once. I, Oh, on a daily basis, we roast each other when we see each other at the comedy store. But yeah, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Yeah. And again, like that's, you know, that was also in a tournament setting. Um, so it was, it was different. Um, yeah. But I, you know, if somebody had asked me to roast him, I would say sure. Yeah. Yeah. He seems yeah. like he'd be an easy yeah. guy to roast. There's a lot of things to go after with Earl. So. Yeah, there's plenty, you know. But he could take it. And he, right, that's that's a great thing. He's so good at taking Yeah, but it. it's also more fun to kind of go under those untapped markets. You know, and sometimes I feel like that's the only trouble with roast battle is that a lot of times these people have been roasted multiple times. So what's the new angle? What am I going to say Yeah. that yeah. hasn't been said in a different way i'm just saying the same thing about you and just in a different way with sure. with a more topical flair yeah so well, that's that what really I noticed. doesn't that's what i noticed yeah. about roast that you were involved in most of the people that roast you roasted you for being slutty i'm like you just don't <laughs> seem like you're that <laughs> is this no i'm not that at all so yeah, i was I never feel... offended yeah and then i always had a great retort because i'm like yeah. you guys did zero research like you didn't even try you didn't you know that's why mike Lawrence joke about me was the best of all time because we we met before we did our final rose battle in Montreal for rose battle season one and I said you know everybody always roasts me for being a slut and like I go I'm I'm a prude you know and 
And he wrote that joke that said, Saratiana is such a prude. She doesn't even put out new material. Oh, and I, I go, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that one hurt. Because yeah. that's probably a little real. Um, <laughs> that one really hurt. They, that they one only hurt. really hurt. I suppose they do hurt a little more when they're true. <laughs> when they're true. Yeah, yeah, when they have a, like a semblance of truth to them, you know. But I mean, when I, you know, I, I remember de- roasting David Ortiz and I was the only woman on the panel on the dais and everyone called me a slut and I said you know you guys are giving me a lot of credit my list of sexual partners is a lot like Dustin Pedroia it is embarrassingly short and (laughs) you know and so you know you can you can usually have a rebuttal because I know what they're gonna say and I, I don't think I'm a very easy person to roast so because I don't have anything major like now I might be easier that I'm older and I've had a baby and you know a baby um, out of wedlock a baby out of wedlock all that kind of you know like yeah now there's new angles but before it was like what are you gonna i think that's an easy target is for against any woman the slutty Mm -hmm. angle yeah Yeah, it's just a it's kind of a it's to me it's lazy sure so yeah. I don't really, you know, unless you really are a slutty person, yeah. then it's, you know, then I find that yeah. valid. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk about your baby. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Cage. Cage. Yeah. Of the name. Mm-hmm. Thank of the you. Name. Um, it does. Yeah, we um, wa- I wanted to, we wanted to give him a name that sounded sporty, but wasn't too much pressure, you know? Like, I'm not going to hit a, you know, name him Dinger, and then he can't hit a home run. Like, that would be so embarrassing, you know? Dude, you can't even get out of the infield. God. I should have named you Bunter. Can you change a kid's name halfway through their career? I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Bunter S. Thompson. That's what I could name him. Of course, right now, he's super into baseball right now, which is, like, my favorite thing in the whole world. But he always thinks he hits a home run. Anytime he makes contact with the ball, he's three. Okay. You know, he so he insists on hitting it in the air. He insists on everyone playing positions. Oh, he's Mom, he's not hitting the, off a tee anymore. He's he wants he wants to be pitched to. No, never hit. He's never really hit off the tee. Okay. Uh, yeah, we tried to get him to hit off a tee, and then he saw kids hitting it in the air, and he goes, "No, I don't do that. Okay. I'm advanced." You know, whatever. But he, yeah, he's I'm just he's really bossy. Yeah, he's just really bossy. He's like, "Mom, you're the catcher. You got to kneel down. You got to give signs. You got to hold your glove like this. You know, you got to chew gum. You got to spit on the ground. You got to." lift your leg when you throw there's all these rules wow i know it's like i'm like oh I kinda but to be fair um, he's coming from a big sports yeah yeah family no, background exactly. i yeah, mean to yeah. be fair know, <laughs> you're not I in know. sports but you you, you yeah. live and breathe it but yeah. the dad I mean, it the bad the dad does yes yeah sports, i mean so. all of us all of us his dad's a sportscaster i'm a sports nut so it's always on, and I always said, you know, he doesn't have to love it, but that's what's going to be on. Yeah. So you don't have to watch it, but mm-hmm. it's going to be on TV. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So nice. we have it on when we're outside at the pool, even when we're playing baseball outside. It's on. It's on. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. One I mean, if I could share my screen with you right now, you would see that I I have the Braves game behind me. <laughs> I was going to ask, but he said yeah. something, you know, about when we asked about missing the game. I'm like, she's not. There's there, somehow she's got it. 
coming. No, I'm you just know, following the play by play. We're up sure. four to nothing. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. look at that. See, so good I'm luck. a little bit more relaxed. All right. That's good. That's good. We're a little bit more relaxed too because we're drinking your bourbon, but yes. <laughs> right. Did you put mint leaves in it? We didn't. No, I got to admit we didn't. Is it, isn't it basically a mint julep at that point? Yeah. But without sugar. Okay. But the mint a... is pretty sweet oh, already. Sure. Yeah. So it's like a mint julep without the sugar or the powdered sugar or whatever, you know. Okay. Um, Aren't they smaller I... though too? Usually. Yeah. We kind of did do pint glasses of bourbon for some <laughs> Ah, that's Those look good. I mean, again, we're when in I Wisconsin. See. This is how we drink, but. So. <laughs> what do you normally drink? Uh, just whiskey, Irish whiskey. Yeah, I'm not I'm not much of a drinker anymore. I'm a, I'm the THC guy in the group, so mm-hmm. I just drink whatever. That's why we started asking the guests. We're like, when we first started this thing, we were gonna pick cocktails and and anyway, then as we started to have guests, we're like, we might as well ask them because then we can we get new cocktails all the time, and so it's fun. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, That's something fun. new. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, it it has turned me into a I, I'm more into tequila than I ever have been because we get oh, a lot really? of people who drink tequila. And uh, I'm always fascinated by all these tequila drinkers. Everybody's, oh, it's an upper. It's an upper. And I go, Mm. I think it still tastes like shit. (laughs) How can, okay. And it's not the right, I mean, I'm not a big tequila guy, but you you do have to get a good tequila because. You have to get a good one. And I've had good one. I mean, I think I just don't have a palate for it. I think I just, I'm, 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 it's just not my. Yeah. So, but if you go out. Sure. Because it's coated with sugar and flavors and yummy. Yeah. And I love them too. <laughs> it's masked. You don't even know there's tequila in one of those things. But if you were to go out or a ball game, what do you drink? Beer? At a ball game? I usually I'll find a bar and I'll get, I get, you know, Jack and Soda is normally what they have. Yeah. In fact, this Texas Rangers game that I'm watching, that's one of my favorite stadiums in the whole world because they have frozen Jack and Coke. So it tastes like a, oh. a Coke Icy. There's nice. Jack Daniels in it, and it is so fantastic. Um, by yeah, the, by, and I don't even like Jack and Coke. But I was going to say, by the third or fourth inning, your scorekeeping probably isn't too accurate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's an error on yeah. every play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had a lot of things dripping on my scorecard yeah but <laughs> that's fine you know yeah i uh but no when i go to the comedy store jack and soda yeah it, it used to be bullet soda but they don't have bullet anymore then it was buffalo trace and then they don't have buffalo trace anymore so wow jack it is so there. speaking of the store mm-hmm. how long have you, when did you get passed at the store how long have you been how long has your name been on the wall i believe it was 2000 and I want to say 2011 or 2009. I can't remember if it was 2009 or 2011. Remember, she's drinking Jack and Coke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I just like, I I feel like I always said 2009. And then the other day I thought maybe it's 2011. But I I want to say it's 2009 because I remember it being six and a half years after I started stand up. Sure. And so I feel like it was June 2009. Okay. We'll go with that. And who did you showcase for? Who was, who was actually there when, I mean, who passed you? Well, Mitzi was there was when I Mitzi? was, okay. Mitzi was still there, but Tommy was the manager. Okay. So it was probably Tommy yeah. <laughs> because Mitzi, you know, like she, I had showcased for her probably like four times. And then uh, I eventually got past about, I think the sixth or seventh, but she wasn't there to see the last two that I had done. Okay. I'm not really sure. 
you know, Tommy was like, wow, she loves you, you know, but I don't know. I never trust what Tommy's, you know, I'll never be like, Mitzi loved me, you know, because, you know, that could be my own insecurity, just feeling like, sure, because she didn't tell me herself. Yeah, sure. I don't really know. But sure. yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, I was there with her. That's so awesome. Is that, is that how you got a lot of the, the writing? How did you morph into the writing just from being at the comedy store and people saying, we like your stuff, come write on Jeff Ross show, the, you know, um, <laughs> come on down. Roles. Yeah, that's how I it works. I don't. Well, I. That's no, why I'm asking. That's a real. That's a great question because that is. Uh, I don't. For me, in particular, that's not how it worked. For me, um, I was running my own shows uh, because that's you know when you're doing stand up, you start in open mics, then you start doing mm-hmm. bringer shows on top of open mics, and the bringer shows mean if you bring five people, you can go up and do this much time, right? Sure. And then you wear out all your friends and they never want to speak to you again. And then you start running your own room so that you can trade for spots and time until oh, you get passed at a club that will just book you without any okay. of those caveats. So I was running a room called the Unknown Theater, which is where the goddamn comedy jam started. Oh. Um, lots of lots of stuff started there. Um, and, um, Jeff was coming in to practice his roast jokes at the time because we had a really cool, um, setup. It was this huge warehouse and it was a, it was a theater, uh, in a big warehouse and it was $5 to get in and everyone got free Bud and Bud Light. So, you know, I would charge the comics as well. And then they could just drink for $5 all night. Oh, perfect. Which made them happy. And so there was always a lot of people milling around. And um, so anyway, he started coming in and I was constantly putting him up. And then finally, I just said, what's the next roast you're doing? And he told me and I said, what's your email? And he gave it to me. And I just kept sending him jokes until he couldn't ignore me. And then (laughs) he finally was like, come over uh, and write with us. And so I went over and it was him, Matt Edgar and Tony Hinchcliffe. Was Sarah there? Because Sarah was on that roast too, Silverman. Can't remember if she was there, but Jeff was trying to write this joke. He's like, you know, I really want to start this. It was the Sheen roast. And he goes, I really want to start this roast with a with a quote. And I was like, what do you mean? A, like just a, a famous quote? And he's, yeah. He said, you know, something like friends, Romans, countrymen. And I go, oh, let Mike Tyson your ears. <laughs> and, and he go and like they, they all like threw their pencils that like they had been trying to think of it something for an hour and then i like stroll in and like the first thing i say and that's how he opened the show and wow. from then on i had a gig and uh and it and you know he would always just say you know and i knew it wasn't a paid gig he told me that well before i ever showed up he's like you know Mm. I don't think he goes this this is a favor get you know like I said you don't have to pay me just I'm just happy to be in the room I want to learn I want to learn the most I can but also you know if you if there's a gig that you have where you can recommend me that's all you owe me you know um but also I have to prove myself that you're even going to like any of these jokes you know and then um he did he got uh, he got a USO show in Germany. So he took me to Germany with him. Oh, wow. And then, um, and then right after that, he got the burn on comedy central okay. and he hired me to be a writer on that. Oh, nice. And so that was WGA. And all of a sudden I'm in the guild 
and there were 13 writers, one woman, and I was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. hard to get your your jokes out there because you're fighting all men? Well, it was really hard to get a joke in the show because there were it was a half hour show. I think I counted them once. There were 37 jokes in the show total. Okay. After you counted them all. And between the 13 of us, we probably sent in about a thousand. So if you get one in, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're so happy to get one. So I usually got one in every show and that's really all I cared about. Just getting one. And then sometimes I'd get seven. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, yeah. Back to so, the topic and whatever you just hit. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Wow. So that was it, really. It was just, uh, you know, but I also met a lot of great people. I asked a lot of great questions and I never backed down, but I learned when to fight and what to fight for, you know, what to give up on, mm-hmm. um, what to care about, what to not care about, stuff like that. That, yeah. was, that was a really good learning curve in that room. Wow. And I went from there. And I just want to talk about Lights Out with David Spade because I that was one of my favorite talks. Mine shows. too. I mean, I Thank really David you know, is awesome. I thought Yeah. Yeah. I thought it the way he laid out the show was great. And I was so happy when I saw that you wrote for it. A lot of it, it seemed like the whole time. And then you mm-hmm. and then I went back. I'm like, oh yeah, you're you're on pregnant. Very pregnant. <laughs> Which was freaking mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the whole time. In fact, I just like approved a clip of that um that's coming out with uh from the panel that'll be out on my social media i guess probably friday this is what i did with dana carvey and al magical and i was like oh i'm not as fat there but i hadn't <laughs> told anybody i was pregnant uh but i was so but nobody knew okay. so i just remember going like oh yeah this is before even dave knew yeah Um, But I I think that was the first show that I had done. And at the time I was writing on the Alec Baldwin roast and I had just found out I was pregnant. I was like, oh my God, I have 22 weeks of stand up on the road. What am I going to do? And out of nowhere, they called and said, do you want to be a writer on this show? And, you know, I was like, oh my God, yes. You know, Uh, and then uh, the rest is history. Yeah. When it was canceled, I was I was truly bummed. Me too. I, All I bet are. more than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but also just you know, I mean, it's pretty rare to be on a show that you that you love, not mm-hmm. just the room, but just the show itself that you love. You love you love everything about it. It it was it was just one of those shows that just felt effortless and easy to write for. He's he's an incredible boss. He's very generous. Uh, to have to a hear. host too that is like and when I mean generous I don't mean financially I mean as a comic he's generous like he's gonna he wants you to be funny he wants you to get laughs yeah. he's not trying to hog the spotlight he he's generous with setting you up to make you look funny to make you look good yeah and yeah. um Dave was really is is still really good about that yeah. He, he every, every time I see him interviewed on anything, he seems just like the most genuine, nice yeah. <laughs> person to, to work for. Work oh, yeah. with. I mean, it just seems incredible. And he's, yeah, obviously funny, funny, funny. So, so hopefully, mm-hmm. um, hopefully you can work with him again and yeah. still in touch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still, I still talk to him all the time. I haven't seen him in a little while. In fact, 
I'm going to try to see him in the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, we did a show after that on Netflix together, but I haven't seen him in a long time because yeah. he was on the road and then, you know, what, what show did you do together after that? We did a show called the after party on Netflix, which was oh. kind of, it was supposed to be the, you know, we thought it was going to be lights out, but just Netflix shows. Yes. And then it ended up being Dave interviewing people and like, he doesn't, yeah. he's not a gusher. Dave's not a gusher, you know, <laughs> like he's not like, I'm so excited about your movie, you know, because Dave's been a movie star for <laughs> yeah, forever, <laughs> ever. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's cool that you do. Movie. I mean, we all do movies. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, I remember when he's very good at making fun of himself, too. I remember seeing yeah, an episode or exactly. two. Exactly. I, I do, too. Yeah, but, yeah I remember. Yeah. I remember it being on. But yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, but it just kind of hid there and it wasn't, we never could really figure it out because, mm. you know, it's just one of those scenarios where you and the network and everyone is trying to figure out this thing and make everybody happy. And then what you told us you wanted is different than what you end up ended up wanting. Yeah, so it just yeah. becomes hard and then you just try to make it work. And then sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, such yeah. as Hollywood. Speaking of Hollywood and writing, what's the latest on the writer strike and where where things with that? And well, looks like I'm moving to Milwaukee, guys, because <laughs> not going to be any work here for a while. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, moving too know, quickly. No, I don't think it's going to go pretty. I don't think it's going to be fast. What, I think it's going to take a while. What does it mean for? Like us as consumers of con, you know, I reruns. Mean, is that what it means? Reruns of everything for a while, and <laughs> yeah, it means like no new content. Now, now some places, you know, you have Netflix and Amazon and Apple that already had some stuff in the can, meaning sure. it was already shot and done. Sure, but you know, anything that was in production now, even if the scripts are done they're not shooting them because the actors are refusing to go to work. And then the oh. teamsters are refusing to go to cross the line, yeah. which means you don't have gaffers and grips and lighting. You don't have anybody driving transpo, sure. nothing. So, so they're, they're behind the writers. Whereas yes. when we were, and it's funny, I was just talking to my daughters about this yesterday. Um, and it was like, well, when the writers are on strike, then yeah all those positions you just mentioned, they're not working because there's nothing to film because there's nothing written. But right. if that's great that they're supporting and standing behind. Yeah. In this case, mad. you know, in some, yeah, no, in some cases there are, um, there, there's lots of scripts that are written, but the, there's nobody that will work on those. Sure. You know, and, so and, sometimes actors won't go, but it just kind of has a huge trickle down effect. I mean, apparently the studios are losing $30 million a day. Ooh. But <laughs> the money talks. That's the only way to get there. They don't seem to want to come to an agreement. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of this is just because, and, you know, this is not writers being greedy, but, you know, we used to be able to make some sort of a living because you'd at least get 13 weeks to write on a show. And then that got cut down to eight. And then mm -hmm. sometimes it got cut down to six. And then sometimes they were like, well, can you just come in for two weeks and punch it up? And then, so there's just zero stability. If you're constantly having to find a new job, it just becomes incredibly stressful. Like, thank goodness I have stand up, but yeah. it is, 
yeah, it used to be that a room had to have eight people and then somehow it became six and then, or five with a floater. Okay. <laughs> so, and then when, when you have less people, then that means you have to start doing other things. You can't just focus on writing jokes and material to make the show as funny as possible. You have to go film stuff on the street or look for, you know, you're, you're all of a sudden holding a camera or running around with a light. Yeah. Wow. Like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't so, know. The, you know, I wasn't trained for any of this. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then that means somebody's didn't get that job. Right. Right. It's all, yeah, it all trickles down. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting, cutting corners. So you had yeah. talked about a script you were writing and had to, you wanted to get it in before the strike. Mm-hmm. Christmas script. So I my guess Christmas script. My, my, my line of questioning for that was, okay, well, I got it in before the strike. So now mm-hmm. they can start filming. Obviously, mm-hmm. if people want to work, the grappers, the cameramen and all that stuff. But you have no rewrites then that if you're if they were to decide to film, they couldn't do any right. rewrites, right? You'd have to. Could they well, film the, that script as is? I mean, if the studio wanted to it to be done as is what we we turned it in, basically. And there's still like a little bit more to do. So we actually didn't get it in as 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 finished as we thought but mm. basically what it means is if the studio decided to buy it then once they buy it they can decide how much so i'm sorry they already they bought the option which means they paid us to get to give us no they sorry this is all very complex but <laughs> well i know on adam ray's podcast i want. said I on Adam Wright's podcast, I said that I sold a script and I did, but, but there's different levels to selling. So they, they, they buy the script and then they, but it's under an option agreement, which means they have a year and a half to do, to do whatever they want and to, to get you to rewrite it, to do all these different changes that you guys all agree on with the director. And then after that, once they, when the script's in that position, then they have the option to to buy it outright okay Does that makes sense more so basically money? like means right right now they're the only one that can make that movie sure. but if they decide not to to fulfill the option and and buy the agreement which would give us more money which would you know mean that we would start going into production mm-hmm. um then, then we get the movie back and we can try to sell that shop it around a little sure. bit yeah yes. okay okay so um yeah, so there's all these different levels and stages, but yes, we are. It but is quite the long process. So the fact that when you see something in theaters, just know, like we wrote that movie in 2016. It's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't even, if it were to come out, like if they were to buy it tomorrow, you would not see it till 2025 at Christmas. Wow. Sure. sure. Yeah. So ho- Hollywood moves <laughs> as fast as the United States government is what you're telling yes, me. Yes, <laughs> nothing ever happened. They are connected, you know, they are one in one. So anyways. They really are. <laughs> wow. Yes. All right. It is, it is a lot, but yes. So there's luckily I have stand-ups, so I have stuff to do. And in the meantime, my writing partner and I are just going to write all these other things that we've been thinking about writing. Yeah. Cause we can still write. We just can't sell anything sure, or pitch sure. anything or get paid to write anything. Yeah, sure. But you got to keep yeah. them ideas flowing on paper. So yeah. You don't, and don't you lose just, them right. And then it's also just, you know, like anything, it's a muscle stand-up is a muscle, you know, like if you stop doing stand-up for a year, it's going to take you a while to get your sea legs back. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. And same with writing. It's all yeah. it's all a muscle. 
So I'll give you credit for the writing, but I disagree Uh-oh. <laughs> that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's not just a movie set at Christmas? No, it's a Christmas okay. movie. And I okay. have tradition of watching with my children every Christmas. Well, even, that's fine if you, that's your tradition, but, you know. <laughs> but even Bruce Willis said it's not. Because of her. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. He, he do you truly believe that or did you just think it was funny? No, I truly believe that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I, think the, I think the reason that I know, I know the director has said it is a Christmas movie and or the writer, you know, because Rich Eisen had him on to ask. <laughs> but I think that as a screenwriter, you know, making something at Christmas raises the stake. Right. If it's at Valentine's Day, it's not as big of a deal to mm. miss time with your family. Right. Or why else would he be going out to the coast to see his kids? Because it's not as big of a deal if it's just his weekend. Right. (laughs) Or summer. So I felt like the only reason Christmas was in there was to raise to give to give the movie stakes. But I thought that there was already enough stakes because death and everything. (laughs) There's terrorists. (laughs) Terrorists are are stakes. Kind of a big stake. (laughs) So. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. I'm just all right. No, bring no, no. That up. Uh, but I see I really see you both must get... sides. I I totally see both sides. But to be fair, think... you're you're just your your idea kind of you the karma kicked you in the butt because you missed your you missed your motorcycle ride on Zed because of I your, know. So I'm gonna yeah. say if, if you thought it was a Christmas movie, you would have got that ride. <laughs> <laughs> he offered it to me, I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Uh, yeah oh that's uh, why you're that, wearing that shirt that's why i'm wearing the shirt came oh, to me. i came on in sense. it and I, he's like oh you look like a bum <laughs> you know i watched that movie every friday uh in high school every friday night my friends and i would go to the 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 high school football game if it was in if it was home yeah. and then we would watch pulp fiction at my house wow that's crazy mm-hmm. how many times do you think you've seen it <laughs> more than me a lot. I mean, probably 30, 40 times. Holy shit. Yeah. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. I probably don't remember. I definitely don't remember enough Yeah. lines. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been talking a long time, but we got to talk about your special before we, uh, Heck yeah. before we go. Oh, anywhere. yeah. Because you watched you have, it the yeah. other day. Hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. And, uh, and it was filmed you. at the comedy store, which is, which is new, right? It is new. It's a new thing that they're doing. And, uh, and so they, they came to me and said, we want to kick things off and we'd like to do it with you. And, and I said, did you mean somebody else? And they said, no. And then, um, yeah. So we filmed it at the comedy store. It's only half an hour. I forgot all of my other material during COVID. So now I record it and write it down. I never did that before. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's called 44. That's how old I was when I taped it. It's on YouTube now. It's also Hank Aaron's number, as yep. you guys brought up. Yeah. So yeah, it's on there. It's free for anybody to watch, and I it's hope you funny. like it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Thank it's, you. It is very funny. There, there is. I mean, there is. You know, a nice half-hour comedy special is one. Of, you're not going to lose any attention. You know, you're, <laughs> no. you're going to sit through the. I mean, even even the even the young kids can make it through a half hour. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even I, the kiddies. I did notice uh, the the thank you at the end. You seemed a little emotional. How much did it mean to it you did, to be yeah. able to 
to do that there and and uh, be asked to do that man it's it it didn't really hit me until the end you know that that club is my home and everybody that works there and all the comics they're my brothers and sisters and um I kind of grew up there and got my sea legs there so to be able to film a special that I had complete control over with their blessing and and to be asked to do it uh to be one of the first to or the first to do it meant a lot it meant that they they that that I meant just as much to them as they mean to me and Mm -hmm. it it was it was just a really beautiful moment to know that yeah that we're all family and that we got each other's backs so it's not a bad place to have your back (laughs) that's true I gotta know does the stage always look like that or do they make it look like that for the cracker barrel (laughs) stuff (laughs) They made it look like a Cracker Barrel for my okay. for uh, my special. No, it does not look like that. Okay, that's <laughs> funny. And as no, no, I'm no. watching it, literally when you're going through the Cracker Barrel skit, I commercial breaks in at Applebee's. I'm like, no, they gotta have Cracker Barrel oh, commercial. Hilarious. Oh, no, that's so no funny. you need YouTube Premium, is what you, what the problem? Oh, I'm sorry, but you can do it without. Um, you can still watch it without. <laughs> You can still you watch it with that. I don't have YouTube premium, but yeah, no, no, no. We, we just made it look like a Cracker Barrel, um, as my theme. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice because it's just so in passing, like it's not, you don't, you know, until you kind of point at it, you don't really, why is that right. looking like that? <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> watch, watch a special and you'll understand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and worth it. Yes. <laughs> Have you, uh, Thank you just, just curious, have you ever been to Appleton, Wisconsin? We have a, we have a club here. I don't know if you've ever skyline. Yeah. I I'm trying to remember if I've been to Appleton. I don't believe I've been to the comedy. Is it comedy on, um, no, that's comedy on state. That's in Madison. Oh, that's no, where I... the skyline comedy cafe. Oh no, yeah. I feel like I have been to skyline comedy cafe. Well, I know there's more than one skyline not because it's like the owner. Sure. That, but yeah. So anyway, I was just curious. I want to say that I have, but I know when I came to Milwaukee, um, that the time that I came to watch a Braves game, I was coming from Chicago. Okay. So I knew I drew, I drove up there just to see it. And I remember seeing the club when I was up there and walking okay. around, okay. Uh, but I wasn't performing when I came up to watch a game. I just can't remember if I've been there. I've been to Madison for something else, but it wasn't to do stand up. It was I don't even remember. Okay. That's bad. Something yeah, with Blink 182. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Were, were you? Yeah. Were you? In it was band? comedy related, but it oh. wasn't. I wasn't. I think I was just writing. I, I was just interviewing people in line at a Blink 182 concert. Oh. All right. Okay. I think. Okay. It was a Fair long enough. time ago. <laughs> yeah, comedy on State yeah. Madison's a really cool club. We were just there for, the, just there, for yeah. the first time. Actually, we we just saw Anthony Jessel like there. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, Anthony's one of my closest friends. We started stand up around the same time. Oh yeah, okay. we used to run rooms together, and that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we saw him coming. We said we had to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh dark. yeah, he's dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Love it. Love Very it. good. Yeah. yeah, his new bit about trans people, I think, is so genius. I'm trying Did to he do that one? I don't know. Maybe that was in his last special. Maybe, Maybe. I forgot. I don't know. No, he it was I mean, about a pregnant about woman. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there was something in there. It was. Yeah. I don't remember the whole thing because we were laughing. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, drinking and laughing but you know it was a great show yeah got it yeah <laughs> anyway well i'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> yeah. so uh, awesome. if you ever make your way to wisconsin we'll definitely uh, come see you great i appreciate it yeah i'll do this Absolutely. again just to promote you bet. Anytime you want to come on here, you know you're more than willing. Every time. I have a notebook full and we only talked about half of it, but I don't want to keep oh, you all night. I know you got a baseball game. I games. talk too much. I'm no. sorry. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, was... these are great stories. Wouldn't change it. Appreciate it. it. Give a me. shout out. Oh. Having something left in the notebook means we can invite you back and we still have something to <laughs> yeah, talk about. Totally. So. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Totally. totally. Yeah, so go ahead and yeah. promote away. Yeah. Promote away? Yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Promote ahead. anything you want. Um, oh no, that's it. I only YouTube? have my special. I have zero thing of anything else going on. All right. All right. Where else. can people find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, just at Sarah Tiana or the comedy store if you're in LA. And if you guys come to LA, just let me know. I'll get you tickets to the store, even if I'm not there. Thank you so much. That is a bucket list item. We are definitely coming. We've talked to so yeah. many people now from, I mean, we're, we're lucky now that we've talked to, you know, a handful yeah. of people that perform there and uh, definitely a bucket list item. We gotta, we gotta get out there. So we will, we Good. will hold you to that. <laughs> Great. Hold me to it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you All so right, much. It was a Sarah. pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah. You as well. Have Enjoy a good day. Go All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Go break. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. The tavern is closed for now, but we'd love to have you back for more fun next time. Seriously, though, get your asses out of here. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid.